Amen. So good to see you this morning. That was a few years back. I uh, I was going on a, a morning duck hunt, and uh, one of the I was a youth pastor at the time. One of our teenagers going with me. We met at the boat ramp four o'clock in the morning. We're I had my spot where I was headed and done it a few times, so I kind of had my my route planned. And on this part of Lake Palestine, I just had a light that I, I picked out. I said, well, once we pull out from the boat ramp, I just fix my eyes on that light. Off we go. Well, that's kind of my waypoint. And so I had my little boat going as fast as it go, which was pretty decent. And uh, we were scooting out across there. Then all of a sudden, I, I saw something go right by me. Just and I showered down right quick and pulled back the throttle and I pulled out my light and I was standing, we were sitting in the middle of a stand of trees. I mean, it was a miracle that we didn't hit a tree and die that, that morning. It was the craziest thing. I mean, it, both of us, we just had to sit there for a second, uh, clean out our drawers and then get, <laughs> I'm not kidding. I, I, for some reason, I picked the wrong light. And as I was headed straight to that, we went right through, I mean, just trees everywhere. When I shined, we had already gone through quite a ways into this stand of trees. I want to, I want to encourage you and remind you to keep your eyes fixed on the right light. Amen? Because there's a lot of shiny things out there. There are a lot of things that are drawing our attention or trying to lure us away to our own destruction. We've been talking about, is this Babylon? That there's a, a, a satanic spirit alive and well in this world today that wants to lure you away, wants to draw you away to your own destruction. Turn with me to the book of Daniel chapter 3. In the book of Daniel, we've been studying uh, and, and please hear me out again. I'm going to say this again. This is not uh, try to get you alarmed and concerned kind of sermon. This is to hopefully stir up your faith and make you, instead of fearful, make you fierce. Because what I want you to see is this is not a time where we go into survival mode. God's not wanting us to, to kind of huddle down and just survive. He's wanting us to step forward and thrive for his glory. For his glory is our good. Amen? His glory is our good. Y'all going to have to talk to me this morning. Uh, the, the, the more you amen, the quicker we get out of here. And so uh, now that I have your enthusiasm, let's move forward. In Daniel chapter 3, a story that most all of us know is a story about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were the three friends of, of Daniel. And uh, they found themselves in a bit of a pickle when uh, King Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, created this golden statue and said, when the music plays, everyone bows. This kind of is one of the character traits of this spirit of Babylon. It, it, it wants everyone to comply. Everyone to comply. First it asks, then it tells, and then it makes you. And so we, we, if you don't comply, you die. This is the kind of goes along. You, you kind of you see this when you look at Babel. We want everybody to be unified. Unity sounds good unless it's unity against God. 
And so this is what goes on in Babel. And now when it's re resurfaced, it's Babylon. And here's the thing. If you don't comply, you die. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you're going to bow down. When you hear the music, everybody does. Everybody does it. Everybody does it. So you just do what everybody else does, boys. But they said, uh, no, sorry, we, we can't do that. And so you can just, in a mental picture, just, just imagine hundreds of thousands of people standing around and the music plays and everybody hits the deck. When everybody goes down, it's real obvious who's left standing, isn't it? And so we have these three young Jewish boys that are left standing and, and some of the officials of the kingdom go to the king and said, uh, you remember when you said everybody's supposed to fall down and worship the idol when the music plays? Yeah, there's three young men that won't. So he gets infuriated and he says, bring them to me. And he, he, he's going to give them another chance because he knows them. He has seen their character. He's seen their wisdom and how he, they're operating in the kingdom. And so he knows them. So he gives them another chance, but he's mad. I want you to turn to chapter 3. And you're going to see in verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered, by the way, verse uh, 15. Let's back up to verse 15. Now, if you're ready, at the time you hear the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, psaltery, and symphony with all kinds of music... Uh, all kinds of music and you fall down and worship the image which I have made good but if you do not worship you shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning fire furnace and who is the God who will deliver you from my hands now if I'm Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego I'm very thankful you just said that oh you don't pick the fight you ain't gonna win sucker who is the God that deliver you from my hands? He said, I, he said, there ain't no God that can deliver you out of my hands. Well, you done messed up. You done messed up. He says, you boys are going to bow or you're going to die because there is nobody that's going to rescue you from me. Verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. It sounds a little rude. It sounds a little in your face but I, I want you to understand what they're saying is uh, we don't have a defense we don't have anything to say we're just not going to worship an idol and so you do what you got to do we do what we got to do and so we don't have an answer in this situation if that is the case our God whom we serve is able to deliver us amen I don't care what situ situation you find yourself in what pickle you find yourself in, what, what trouble you find yourself in, God can deliver you. Amen? God can deliver you. I want you to know that when we're looking at Daniel in chapter 1, when he says, I'm not going to eat the, the, the pagan food. I'm not going to eat that stuff because I have, I'm in alliance with Almighty God, and he has told me what I can and can't do in, in, in regards to food, and I'm not going to eat that stuff. And, and, and you just watch. God will bless me. And, and he did, and Daniel got promoted, along with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And now here we are, and they say, you're going to worship my idol. And they said, I'm sorry, we, we can't do that. Now, they're not, I want you to understand, they're not being disrespectful, they're not being rude, they're being, they're being responsible, and they're being respectful. Our, our Christian lives are going to be more and more, know this, more and more under attack. We know this. We have watched the progression in ministry. We used to say we're living in a post-Christian culture, just in the very recent 
past. We're living in a post-Christian culture. It has now progressed quickly into an anti-Christian culture. And so just know that your faith will be under attack. Just know that your response to that, we can learn so much from Daniel, so much from these three friends. It, it should not be obnoxious. It should not be confrontational. You're not constantly looking for a fight. These men navigated through a Babylonian system and God promoted, 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 promoted and used them for his glory and the good of the people. If we're always looking for a fight, well, guess what? You're going to find it. But the outcome is not going to be glorifying to God. And so I want to point, I, I'll come back around that in just a second. From, from one who was used to be constantly looking for a fight. Any, I mean, we're in a culture in which you can find one constantly, but also know the outcome is not always favorable. But here's what they were. They said, I'm sorry, we can't do that. We will not compromise our faith. And it says, in this case, our God will serve, is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. And he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. Did you catch that? God can and he will, but even if he don't, we ain't. <laughs> Amen. Amen. God can deliver us. He will deliver us from you one way or the other. I like that. He's going to deliver us from you one way or the other. Either by the fire or through the fire. He's going to deliver us from you. But if, if we die, just know we're going to do what we have to do. You do what you have to do. Amen. Amen. I want you to now flip back to chapter 6. Y'all know the outcome, right? All right, let me just explain real quick the outcome. They, 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 they get thrown into the furnace. The, the furnace has already been heated up seven times hotter than it normally is. The people that throw them into the furnace get burned up, incinerated. And yet the king looks down into the furnace and says, didn't we throw three in there? And yet now there's four. One's walk, one looks like the son of God. When they bring out the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, it said not a hair on their head was burned, not a thread on their garments was burned. And they didn't even smell like smoke. And they said not even the power of fire. And fire didn't even have any power over them. And guess what happened to them? Oh, yeah, it's right here in chapter 3, verse 30. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Amen? You might go through some problems, but it could lead to a promotion. If, 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 if you continue to remain true to our good God and faithful to him, he could bring you right through that problem, smelling like a rose. And leads to your promotion and an opportunity to have even greater influence than you already had. Amen. Uh, now chapter six. So we now have uh, a, a new kingdom. Uh, the Medes and the Persians have now defeated Babylon. And yet Daniel, who is a high official in the Babylonian uh, 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 government, has now been transferred over into the government of the Medes and the Persians. And he is still a high official. God just says, I don't care. I'm going to keep promoting the boy. I don't care what they do. I'm just going to keep pushing him to the top. And so here is Daniel and, uh, under Darius, the king of the Medes. And uh, what you're going to find out is Daniel's already spread some influence there. But look in chapter 6, verse 1. It pleased Darius 
to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be over the whole kingdom. And over these three governors of whom Daniel was one. So we have the kingdom split up and, and divided between 120 uh, government officials. And then over those 120 or three governors, and one of those governors is Daniel. And uh, check out what it says, verse 3. Then this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. Amen? Amen. And the king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm. Daniel, you want to just run this whole thing? I mean, he just sees God's blessings on him and, and God's spirit within him. And he's about to hand him the whole kingdom. Verse four. So the governors and satraps sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom. But they could not find. They could find no charge or fault because he was faithful, nor was there any error or fault found in him. This is a mouthful. This is saying so much about Daniel. Daniel, you've now been transferred from the kingdom of Babylon. I believe myself that there's still a, a spirit that transferred from one kingdom into the next one and uh, we again this is a one world government that's going on at this time it's the second one the first one was Babylon now we have the Medes and the Persians and uh, working in, in unison and Daniel has navigated through one not compromising his faith in the least little bit and is now placed in another one and continues to excel. God continues promoting. And here's what happens. These other two governors and 120 satraps, they said, we cannot compete with this guy. This guy's blowing us out of the water. He's got the wisdom of God. He, he's just, uh, he, he knows the law. He has now all of the laws of the Babylonians. He learned it. Now he's learning the laws of the Medes and Persians. This guy's brilliant. This guy's wise. They said, we can't stop him. He's going to outdo us all. And so we got to trap him. And so this is what you see now. The next thing they say is we're going to have to trap him in his faith. Verse 5, then these men said, we should not find any charge against this Daniel unless we find it against him concerning the law of his God. So these governors and satraps thronged before the king and said to him, King Darius, live forever. And here's what they say. We need a, a time in which people only worship you. And if anybody worships anybody besides you, that they get killed. And so are your idol. And so this is what happens. They set it up. They set up the trap because they knew they couldn't catch Daniel in any other way. And so it is. The king signs it into effect. If anyone worships any other God, you'll be cast into the lion's den. Now you kind of know a little bit about where we're going with Daniel and the lion's den. Daniel, this is the law, it spreads out across the land. Verse 9, therefore King Darius signed the written decree. Now they know about it. Verse 10, now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home. And in his upper room, with his windows open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed, God, prayed and gave thanks before his God, as was his custom since his early days. I love, love, love this verse of scripture. Here's what's happened. Daniel and the previous said, I will not allow the ways of Babylon. I'm not going to take up the ways of Babylon. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, I'm not going to take up the ways of Babylon. You can eat your pagan food. You can serve your pagan idol. I'm sorry, but we decline. We will not learn the ways of Babylon in that fashion. 
Now, Daniel says, nor will I, I won't take up that spirit and nor will I lay down the ways of heaven. I'm not going to quit doing what God's called me to do. I would rather die than miss a prayer. How serious are you about praying? How serious are you about praying? Are, are, are you as dedicated to your time with the Lord as this? I mean, he could, he could have compromised, couldn't he? We would have. We're sitting there thinking, he could have just closed the shades. He could have just closed the shades. He could have just sat back a little further in his room. I'm still going to pray, but I'm not going to let you see it. I'm going to, I'm going to just, we're in survival mode here. We need to just hunker down and, 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 and make sure that we just maintain. And no, Daniel said, shades open, hands raised to the heaven. I'm praying to my God three times a day. I'd rather miss a meal than miss a prayer. I'm telling you. And we wonder, how did Daniel continue to get promoted and prospered? Because God looks at faith like that and he says, I can bless that. I can bless that. Daniel said, I'm not going to take up the ways of Babylon, but neither am I going to put down the ways of my Lord. And he would not quit praying. Well, we know what happens. Uh, he gets thrown in the lines down. Here's the interesting thing. When the king found out what happened, that he got trapped into uh, uh, bringing doom upon Daniel, uh, he, he feels bad about it. And in verse 16, so the king gave the command and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. But the king spoke saying to Daniel, your God, whom you serve continually, he will deliver you. Now, then the stone was brought and laid in the mouth of the den and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and the signets of his lords that the purpose concerning Daniel might not be changed. He couldn't. It was written in the law. He couldn't change it. He wanted to change it. He, he, he tried to change it. In fact, he stayed up all night. Look at it. Verse uh, 18. Now the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. Fasting. I want you to know that Daniel's influence has not only spread so that the king knows who his God is, but now the king picks up the ways of Daniel too. Daniel, fasting was a way of life for Daniel. And, and this king has understood it, that it's a, powerful, it's a powerful principle to apply to his life. And so he did. And so he took up and he fasted that night. And the next morning he rises up and he goes to the mouth of the den and he hollers out, Daniel, did you God save you? Did you God save you? And Daniel said, O king, live forever. My God sent an angel and he closed the mouth of the lions. Can you imagine him just cuddling up next to a lion? Just, oh, you're so soft and smushy. Oh, you're so cuddly. You're so nice. And just cuddling up to the line, the king brings Daniel out, mad that somebody set, him, set the king up, set him up in a trap. He's mad because they did this to Daniel, his friend, and he has them and their wives and their kids all thrown in the lion's den. And the Bible says that before their bodies ever even touched the ground, the lions broke their bones and ate them. That's pretty serious. I happen to like that part, but uh, <laughs> that's pretty serious stuff. Now, I want to point out three things. When it comes to Daniel and his three friends who said, I will not take up the ways of this spirit. I will not take up the ways of this world. I will not take up the ways of Babylon. Number one, they were first resistant. They were resistant. We must beware that we don't compromise. 
We must stand firm, not to be obnoxious, not to be confrontational, not to be constantly trying to stir up a stink in order to raise ourselves up and look how good you are. Look how look how you can really uh, uh, stand firm. No, he, he navigated through the system and continued to, to be promoted to the top. And yet he would not compromise his faith. That's how God could promote you. Amen. That's how God could promote him. And he did. And he continued to move him forward. And so they were first resistant. Resistant. They said, I'm sorry, I respectfully declined. Number two, consistent. Amen. They knew. They knew. They, they, they could not catch Daniel in any kind of a fault in his own life. This, this man's clean. If we could make a politician with no mud in his background, well, man, they said, we can't find any mud on this guy. We cannot find anything. And he just continues to serve his God. That's the only way we're going to. He was consistent. He, he wasn't a, a Sunday only saint. Amen. He wasn't so wishy-washy that, that one day he's hot and the next day he's cold. One day it's all about the Lord. The next day uh, you just calling on the Lord. He was consistent. So just a, just a thought, parents. I've seen so many of our teenagers, not ours here specifically, but I've seen so many teenagers. I was a youth pastor for 10 years before. I went into missions and then the pastorate. But I've seen so many of them just lose their way, lose their faith. And one of the main reasons this happens is because of inconsistency on behalf of their parents. I, I baptized a guy. Some of y'all was here for this. Y'all might remember. This guy was in my small group for two years, I think it was, before he ever gave his life to the Lord. And you know what took him so long? He had watched his dad growing up being so inconsistent in his faith. One day this guy is, is suit and tie, all fired up for Jesus, taking the family. Y'all come on, get in the car, clean up. We're going to church. We're going to church. Don't you want to go to church? And three months later, he'd be at the bars and, and womanizing. And he was so inconsistent. He said, I watched my dad go from one to the other. He said, I don't want any part of that. I don't want any part of that. And he said, I'm not going to give my life to Christ until I know I can be consistent. Now, there was something honorable about that. But I will have to say, when I baptized him, I held him down for a while. <laughs> He's a big old roughneck, arms about the size of my leg. But I had him. I had him. I had him down in that water. And I held him. I said, he made me wait. <laughs> now I'm going to make him wait. Uh, but the truth is, he didn't want to be inconsistent. I've trained a lot of horses and you know how to blow one of them's mind. If what you said is good today becomes bad tomorrow and you flip flop and you kind of mix things up. And so, so if this is right today, it better be right tomorrow because I have seen them absolutely just lose their mind. Absolutely. I've seen children lose their mind when, when, why did I get in trouble for it now? It's been okay until now, and now I'm getting in trouble for it. But most of all, in our own lives, your testimony is garbage if you're not consistent. It's garbage. I'm telling you, it's garbage. We have, we, I'm, a, I'm the chaplain of the Peace Officer Association here. 
And many of our peace officers are very skeptical when it comes to faith inside the jail cell. And here's what they say. Oh, Jesus lives in the jail cell. You get thrown in there, you find Jesus. But when you leave, you leave him in there. And you go back out to the hellion ways that got you in there. And then you get thrown in jail, you find Jesus all over again. You're going to tell everybody how you changed. But three months out, and you're going back to your hellious ways. We must be consistent, people. Do you hear me? We must be consistent. Daniel was consistent. They knew he was consistent. We couldn't find anything on Daniel. And so we got to trap him. And yet he, here he is. Here he is in a trap. Daniel, just shut your, bl- your blinds, man. Just shut the shutters to your room. Just, Daniel, don't you know some of those thoughts were rolling around in his head? Well, I'm just going to pray in spirit today. I'm just going to pray in spirit. I'm just going to sit there. I'm not going to raise my hands today. He didn't change a thing. He was persistent. He said, if I back up on this little compromise, I'll be backing up on everything. I'm going to continue to praise my God because my God is big enough. He'll deliver me from this too. Amen. And he did. He was, he was resistant. He was consistent and he was persistent. And what happens? God continues to promote and prosper and promote and prosper. I grew up in the eighties and in the eighties we had a, a bunch of crazy televangelists. And there was some, I mean, some of them been on TV, some of them going to jail, some of them going to penitentiary because they were fleecing the, the sheep. They were stealing from people. They were, they were scam artists and crooks. And out of that rose what we know as the prosperity gospel. And it is, it is so jacked up. You see these guys living in mansions on in these, I mean, just, just dripping with jewelry. It's just ridiculous prosperity gospel. Do you know what I hate, hate, hate about that? Is we have swung reactionary the other way and we don't even want to use the word prosper anymore in the church. But how can we let somebody who was all messed up take away a spiritual truth and a principle that is good and godly? God wants to prosper you. He wants to promote you. He wants you to rise in status on your job. He wants you to, to rise in government so that you can start making influence in those positions. He, want, he wants people in this room to take on some government offices. Because we need some godly people in our government. He wants to move you up the ladder. Amen? Oh no, that's, that's, that's getting over there in that prosperity stuff. Absolutely. And it's true. It's true. But as soon as your prosperity turns back on you and you just try to and, and, and keep it all in and hoard it and, and use it all for your glory. And, and, and let me tell you how come Daniel actually looking at my time. Let me change it from Daniel to my friend right here in Athens, Texas. Apostle Alan Coleman. Apostle Coleman's my friend. He's probably preaching right now over at Gates Church and. Apostle Coleman may be one of the wealthiest men I know. Uh, I, I won't go into all that. I tell you this, he's the only black man in 50 years that ever has lived at the Pinnacle Club. <laughs> and it's just a holding place till he builds his next house. I cannot tell you how many businesses he owns. Do you know how he started? 
He was a bird dog trainer. I'm going to tell you a story real quick that I, he would not have told me, but his brother told me. Pastor Coleman, he's just loved the Lord. I love, love the Lord. And he was training bird dogs and became one of the best in the land. Picture in magazines. He was training. At one time, he had 300 something dogs. And he was training. People hire him from all over. People fly dogs into him for him to train. One day, he just hung it all up, so I'm going to go be a lawyer. So I'm going to go be a lawyer. He goes down to, he made enough money training dogs. He goes to Baylor Law School to become a lawyer. While in law school, his family came find him. All of a sudden, he went missing. What happened to Alan? They go to his little house on their, their, small, their, their uh, family farm, this small little house on the family farm, and knocking on the door. His car's out front, and nobody answers the door. Finally, they see him peep through the, through the curtains upstairs. They closed the curtains back and never answered the door. For 30 days, no one heard from him. Law school, Baylor. He comes out 30 days later. He says, God's called me to preach. He's called me into the ministry. That man started spreading the gospel. They said, where are you going? He said, I'm going to Athens, Texas. He comes to Athens. He quits all of it. He had some businesses then that had kind of started up. I'm shortening the story a lot. He quit them because God told him to. And then later on, God had him bring up a business to give people work. He had people in his church who didn't have a job, and he wanted to have them a job so they could be financially okay, that they could have something they earned. So he, he created a business to, to give them work. Now that man owns a bunch of businesses. There were guys in town, bankers and stuff, they just like, ah, I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure we can loan him money. I'm not so, there's others that didn't quite like it. To see a man of his race prospering, that's just flat honest. They didn't like it, but when God's blessing was on him, they couldn't stop it. Amen? And here's how he continued to be blessed. He continued to be blessable. He didn't allow those resources to go to his heart or his head. He didn't allow the status to go to his head. He continued to be generous, just giving money to people, starting up churches. He currently helps seven churches right now. He's an apostle. He started these ministries. I'm going on and on about my friend. I'm going to tell you something. He, he mentioned Sand Springs Church. He said, Pastor, everybody knows God's blessing that church. And he said, some people don't like it. But they can't stop it. Amen. I'm telling you. When God's blessings are on you, some people ain't going to like it, but they can't stop it. We had these other two governors. We had 120 men try to set up Daniel in a trap, and they didn't like his success, but they couldn't stop his success. And God continued to bless him, and he just continued to rise up in status, and he's, he's influencing kings. Amen? He's influencing kings. And here's how it happens. He was, he was respectful. He was responsible. He continued to serve his mighty God. He would not compromise his faith. And God says, I can use a man like that who's not afraid to sling the doors open, the windows open, and raise his hands up and worship our God. I can use a man like that. He's not afraid. He won't compromise and he won't back up. I can bless a man like that. I want us 
to be blessable as well. I want us to not just get by or go into survival mode. I need you to understand one thing. There is no kingdom higher than our kingdom, the kingdom of our good God. I don't care if he was in Babylon, Daniel was serving a higher kingdom. And when Babylon fell, Daniel was still standing. Amen. I don't care if he's in Medes, that he's serving that kingdom. Daniel was actually serving a higher kingdom. When, when you had people who got Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, oh, we got you now, we're throwing you in. They were burned up, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were still standing with the Lord Jesus standing by their side. When you had Daniel being thrown in the lion's den, oh, all those people that set the trap, they became Alpo for lions. But yet Daniel was still standing, and God continued to raise him Raise him, raise him up. There is no higher authority than kingdom authority, than spiritual authority. All other kingdoms will fall, and the kingdom of our good God will be still standing. And as long as you're in that kingdom, you will be too. Amen. Let's continue to be kingdom-minded people saying, I don't care about all your authority. I serve a higher authority. I will respect your authority. I'm not going to come against your authority as long as your authority doesn't come against my God. But I serve a higher God. Amen. And allow God to just continue to bless you and bless it. And you use it for the blessings to go out. Be generous to other people, just like Apostle Coleman, just being generous and generous, generous. God says, who I can give through, I can give to. Amen. You follow me? And God says, I want to bless you. I want to bless you in your, in your job. I want to bless you in your family. I want to pour out abundance on you so that you can, you can funnel your resources into other ministries and to other people in need. God wants to love people through you. And when he can, when he can influence this earth through you, then you are in a blessable condition and stand to be moved up, up, up. Amen. Let's all stand together. Father God, I pray that we will be a people who will be resilient in our faith, that we would just continue to say, I, I won't shut up and I won't back up. I'm going to continue to stand up for the name of our Lord and Savior. Lord, I pray that of the teenagers in this house, Lord, they will learn a life lesson here today. If they start off this way, if they start off this way in their relationships, in their careers, they start off this way the sky is the limit where God will take them he will put them in king's houses and white houses he will put them in positions of authority and influence because God is just looking to bless somebody like this well, God I pray that we would just continue live out a life that reflects you and your kingdom principles. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Altar team going to be at the front. Altar's open. You can come and pray. You can have our team pray over you. I'm telling you, maybe you come down here and pray and you don't get your prayer answered. 
Would you just step right over there to our altar team and let the church come together and pray with you and just see what God will do. I hope this morning, maybe if you're here and you've kind of been living a little wishy-washy compromised life, that this stirs you to come and make a commitment to the Lord. Lord, I, I'm not going to try and play both sides anymore. I'm all yours. I'm going to live for you. Maybe you're here today and you don't know Christ. This is all new to you. You don't know anything about this Jesus. I want you to know that there's a God that loves you so much. That he sent his only begotten son, Jesus by name, to come to win this soul back to him away from judgment into love and acceptance and he'll do it for you he'll do it for you come speak to our altar team as we worship let's sing